0: Chapter 12 of Silly and its Legends by Henry James Whitfeld. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Timothy Ferguson. Tresco, number three. The dim sepulchral cave looks positively brighter for the scene shadowed forth in it by fancy. You turn away from it with regret and advance to the edge of that rocky barrier against which the sea plays and whispers, coying it in each tiny cove and around each fantastic outwork of nature's planting, making low sweet music everywhere and pausing a while timidly, ere it retires and sinks back again, into repose. Facing you are Manawar and Round Island, from the top of which latter, a druidical barrow, looks down upon you, before you rolls the same ocean which bore thither the barks of old, when the prophet wrote of those that came from Edom, with dyed garments from Bosra, that is, in the vernacular, Bersa, or Carthage, a Phoenician colony. On the height to your left is the solitary ruin of King Charles, It should be touched with a gentle hand, for Silly was the last place in the realm of England that upheld his cause. What volumes could be compelled out of the history of those devoted men who, from all quarters, gathered together here for a last, stubborn stand? They were truly the children of the captivity, enduring loyally unto the end. Lady Fancher's account of the place at that period, with her half-sorrowful, half-whimsical privations and sacrifices, is highly interesting, All this rambling and disjointed musing floats through your brain as for a moment you stand and look around. It is difficult to check the imagination when thus let free into the shadowy regions of the past. There is the Phoenician loosely draped in his graceful robe with its carved fibula. There is the Dane looking for his tomb among the Eries yonder, and the Briton with his talks, and the mystic medal upon his breast, and the fair-haired Saxon gazing upon some inspired prophetess and the awful Roman, and the gay cavalier, faithful to death, and singing to his mistress, yet this inconstancy is such, as thou too shall adore, I could not love thee dear so much, loved I not honour more, and the sullen Puritan, half hypocrite and half fanatic, and then the dim procession disappears, and there is nothing left, but the measured diapason of the deep, and the scream of the wild bird, as it flits by, and everywhere around, Nature in all her majesty. But by following the coast you arrive at Dolphin Town again and pass Permellan khan and Merchant's Rock, and get a fine view of St. Helens and of Teen. On reaching the northeastern side of the island you gain Pentel Bay, beyond which are some very picturesque masses of rocks and an imperfect circle or barrow. The northern promontory of Pentel Bay is called Lizard Point. From all these carns there is a striking panorama of St. Mary's Pool and Hughtown and St Agnes, which today is shrouded in mist and appears larger and more distant than it really is. We have now made the circuit of Tresco, and are about to return to our boat. The abbey lies before us, with its romantic grounds, through which we are kindly permitted to pass. I had made up my mind to say nothing about the abbey gardens. Englishmen have, in general, a distaste for anyone who goes about taking notes, even if he does not print them. I sent the first chapter on Tresco to the press and kept silence, but it was indeed pain and grief to me, and I could refrain no longer. I should wrong the sense of beauty, which is a part of man's divine inheritance, were I, by my apparent indifference, to seem insensible to the combination of sweet and lovely things affected in that spot by the magic of art of nature carefully developed, and of the most exquisite taste. Still, any more description would be unmeaning and vain. Tea and coffee plants, the pepper and the Arundo Donax of the West Indies, the Formium tenax of New Zealand, the Brugmancia of Chile, oranges, aloes, lilies from Japan, geranium hedges from 12 to 15 feet high, the graceful Cleanthus, like a waste parasite, Crusolaceae in vast masses, a hundred varieties of Mesembrium thena in one group, growing in the open air without protection throughout the year. What do these words offer to the mind? They cannot give the charm that speaks the music of the eye nor can they convey the remotest idea of that glorious and glowing reality the like of which I never saw before, and which I can never hope to behold again. On our way through these marvellous temptations, we pause for a moment to look at some magnificent specimens of Mesembrianthema, covering the angle of rock formed by the stones of a quarry. A group of workmen is busily excavating the hillside. While we admire the flowers, one of the labourers gives a cry of surprise and the others hurry to the spot— Is broken into what appears to be a vault formed of smooth flat stones. A few more strokes of the pickaxe enlarge the aperture and lay bare its contents. Some faded relics of mortality are taken carefully from what was fondly deemed their last retreat. They suggest the following tale, which will fitly close the account of our pleasant visit to Tresco. End of chapter 12. Recording by Timothy Ferguson, Gold Coast, Australia.